0: Warning, this podcast may contain content and news that some listeners may find
1: offensive. And language. But it was a good oh. effort. Ah, oh, language. Well, language is content.
2: That's true, but this is bad language. I don't think this actually contains any bad language, to be honest. I don't think so. Unless I say fuck right now. <laughs> Every time. I think oh, you should be that. So childish. <laughs> Welcome to Seesaw Podcast. With your hosts, T, Cleves, and Selena. Every week, bringing some much needed balance and humour to brighten up what can sometimes be a dark, disabled world. Welcome back to Seesaw Podcast, the show that is giving you all the gripping news outside of the disability news service, which are a lot better than us and a lot more timely, considering some of our Quipline news comes at the end of the year where we try and give you all of the... It was a news roundup of the year. It was, but it wasn't that at the time of recording each segment, was it? That makes it more... I can't think of a word. Holston? <laughs> oh, okay. Fantastic. Just pick um, one. I'm glad. This week, we are joined by the editor of Disability News Service um, and author, John Pring. And we'll be chatting about being a journalist with a disability, All the work he's done for the DNS, as well as John's upcoming book, which is all about exposing inadequacies in the Department of Work and Pensions. A little bit of a teaser for a book that is coming out later this year. So we hope you enjoy it. It was a really good chat with John. And here we go. Hi, everyone. We're back with another amazing guest. Today, we are joined by the fabulous John Pring. Hey, John.
0: Hello, thank you very much.
2: <laughs> thanks, for, thanks for coming on. So I think the best thing to do is just ask you to introduce yourself um, and if you're comfortable, just spotlighting your disability. Yeah, sure. Um, so I,
0: I run Disability News Service, which is a, it's a news agency that obviously specialises on disability issues, and I've been doing that for about 15 years now. So I've got the website, which is disabilitynewsservice.com, and uh, send those stories out every Thursday so I've been doing that about 15 years and I've been a journalist for about yeah about 30 years I've been a journalist for and I started in um local papers regional papers freelanced and then I ended up on Disability Now magazine I don't know if you remember that yeah um, yeah. yeah which it doesn't go anymore but um I was there for on and off for about for about eight nine years and then set up DNS um after I got made redundant and uh got a, a book coming out later this year about um my ongoing investigations into the department for work and pensions and uh and its its links with well countless deaths of benefit claimants. Oh yeah and I'm yeah, you um my own impairment I'm am I'm autistic. I'd always had always considered myself to have, you know, someone with kind of long term experience of mental distress. And it's only in kind of recent years that it's started to dawn on me that I was actually autistic and i've finally got a diagnosis last year which i just found incredibly helpful just kind of like a weight a weight lifting you know suddenly everything everything made sense well not everything
2: <laughs> no everything yeah.
0: makes sense but you know because uh, i haven't really lived a typical life and and it did help to make sense of of some of those aspects of my life that i just found pretty confusing i guess.
2: yeah absolutely and it makes things a bit, little bit clearer, doesn't it? It's like you you know where <laughs> things stand, and then at that point, yeah, you know, there's support that's around that to potentially look at down that line. So you can think, oh, okay, that's what it is. I can start putting answer to the questions I've always had.
0: Yeah, I've found it. It's helped with not beating up on myself so much about some of those things that I have struggled with. You know, socializing, relationships. You know i've had my obsessions my rigid routines my kind of sensitivities and all those kind of things i mean i spent 10 15 years on my first book which was out about 10 12 years ago now and i've spent pretty much the last decade working on on the new book and that's not really typical behavior you know being so obsessed with something to that degree and so
1: yeah it, it's it's definitely helped yeah, yeah. absolutely we we'll just dive back a little bit because I would like to ask you obviously mm. about disability news service you said you've been made redundant from your previous job is that what inspired you to want to sort of carry on with that sort of like, news outlet if you like?
0: Yeah yeah uh, so I've been at Disability Now magazine for quite a few years I'd uh, been acting editor and then at the end I was the editor and I was made redundant and and I knew the focus of Disability Now had kind of increasingly become about comment and features and there wasn't really a a media organization out there that was really focusing on disability related news so i saw a gap and reporting and investigation you know that was my strength rather than mm. comment and, and, and features and stuff so i looked into whether that was something i could do myself and i launched it in what was it was april 2009 and it kind of built built gradually after that i still wish today that more more of the disabled journalists out there were interested in the news side of things rather than comment and features because you know without the news what is there to comment on yeah
1: so how is it that you go about choosing the news stories you want to cover?
0: Oh, okay. So well, I always try and make sure I've got kind of two or three investigative type stories on the go that I can get my teeth into on the Friday, which is that's kind of the first day of my, my new week, as it were. A lot of them are kind of based on hunches or or responses to I make a lot of freedom of information requests, particularly for the government. But a lot of them are from emails or phone calls I've had from disabled people and also you know there are there are big announcements, often big government announcements. But I have to, you know I, I I try and put a my own angle on those announcements, and it's usually something I've spotted that doesn't seem quite right. You know, often because it's something I've covered before, and I realise the government is not being straight about its past actions or, or inactions. And it's and you know, it's really important to get disabled view disabled people's views on those issues and on those announcements. And that I think is one of the kind of things that I that disability news service does that that other people don't do. So if we had, for instance, we had the disability action plan last week that um DPAC um has called the disability in action mm-hmm. plan. And it, it was out one day and then all the big disability charities got their press offices into gear and got their statements out there, and that's what appeared in the in the the newspapers the next day and disabled people's views weren't heard. Yeah. So you know, I was able to to talk to my contacts and we had the, you know, the grassroots groups and the disabled people's organizations gave their comments on it. And and that way Disability News Service was able to do something different and something
1: important and and amplify the voices of disabled people. You know, yeah. because it's uh, a website and obviously you need to drive traffic. Do you yeah. ever feel like you have a bit of a vested interest to pick stories that are a bit more I uh, like clickbaity, basically. Like, yeah, sensationally pull in, um, yeah, people, your audience, effectively. And are they more sort of geared towards that slant? As in, maybe disabled people have quite a rough time of whatever the story is about, and it's more slanted towards. Well, you said it's more slanted towards people with a disabilities' views, but are they? Do you feel that they're balanced?
0: Yeah, I mean that's a, that's a really important question because. Fortunately, not all my revenue comes from the website. A bit of it does kind of indirectly because people give financial support. There's a, a, mm. a link at the bottom for donations, is, is, which is quite common. But I also have organizations that subscribe and I send them my stories out a few hours before they get on the website every week. Most of them are disabled people's organizations and a lot of them have supported me for about 10 years now. And that's absolutely crucial as well. So it means that I've constantly got in my head, right? Don't just do what is going to be popular on Twitter. Sorry, X. (laughs) Refuse to call it X. Sorry. Do what you think disabled people need to hear and what these organisations need to know about as well. So, like the important stuff. But yeah, there is. I mean, there's such a such a pressure to do clickbaity stuff, and hopefully, I resist it. But uh, I'm sure. I'm sure
1: I slip into that occasionally. I'm sure I do. But I try not to. Yeah, it's a, it's a really good question and it's really important. The the reason I ask is we have a uh, we just have a very small feature on our show a lot of the time called Quick Blind News, where we'll just look through some headlines uh, of sort of disabled news that's that's gone on uh, in the area. Yeah. And as I was looking through, them, I actually came across Disability News Service and that's where I found it. And then we ended up actually speaking about one of the articles that's seen on there uh, with the okay. DWP looking into, well, potentially looking into the bank accounts of people that are on benefits. Oh, yeah, yeah, the snooping story, yeah. Mm. Yeah. 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 But obviously that was quite heavily weighted towards disabled people. Do you think more people are bound to read that if it's geared towards them? Because I think that particular, the whole snooping thing is for everyone on benefits, isn't it, regardless of benefit? Yeah, it won't just be about disabled people. Yeah, well, I mean, we
0: still haven't got to the bottom of exactly what they're going to do if Mm. these laws come in. I mean, there may still changes it's going through Parliament, so we, we still haven't quite got to the bottom of that story. But yeah, I've forgotten your question now. I'm sorry.
1: <laughs> no, I just guess um, it, it's more it's more geared towards disabled people. I get that. Um, yeah. Do you think it's a bit scaremongery? <laughs> <laughs> what? Oh, what, I can't that, think that of a nice way story. It. Yeah, yeah, those sorts uh, yeah. Of things, no, no,
0: yeah. I, I, no, I, I, I don't think it was. It was shared much and read much, much more than I expected. I did not expect that to be the big, big, the um, big story that week. But it really took off. But was it, was it? No, I don't think so because it was based on things that on, on research that other organizations had done, both disabled people's grassroots groups have been raising concerns about this for a long time, but also groups like, uh, it's Big Brother Watch, I think, isn't it? Yeah. um that's taken the lead on the campaigning on this. So no, no. If it was if it was just me, just kind of sitting at my keyboard saying, oh, it's going to be awful. It's going to be horrific, and you know they're going to see how much you spend on you know chicken every week, or see how many toilet rolls you buy every week, or whatever. Because I don't, you know, but we still don't know what in what detail they're going to go into. But yeah, if it, if it had just been me looking at something, and saying, yeah, this is shocking. I'm going to make this sound really shocking, then. You're right, but it but it wasn't, and it was very much based on on concerns that have been raised by other organisations, mm, and yeah. over a long period of time as well. This has been simmering away for a long time. This story, and it's yeah, it's going to continue, I think, into the next government.
2: Absolutely, and I remember and I read the article. We did the episode on it, and, mm. and I really appreciated the the fact that you. Know, you have clearly got sources there and and you're doing your due diligence and pulling from various sources and yeah. like like you said like w- what was put out I, f- I think one of my summaries of of our discussion on this topic was well, well we'll see what happens but it was just the broadness of it and the unknown details of of that particular case it's like well it says this we're, we're speculating on a lot of this but we have no idea what they're going to do with Potential power that might be given to them. It's yeah. uh, it's a bit mm, in, in the unknown. Yeah, I think that's a fair
0: criticism. Although in this case we're talking about the Department for Work and Pensions, and it's also important to bear in mind that I've been investigating the Department for Work and Pensions over the last ten years, and I trust very little yeah. of anything that comes out of that department because I know that they've. Sometimes they've lied. Sometimes they've—they've—I mean—they've they've, I mean, they've delayed stuff. They obfuscated, they've obfuscated. They've—you know—made it incredibly difficult to find out what they're doing, uh, and, and they have covered up. They've covered up deaths. They've covered up investigations into deaths. So I, I'm afraid I don't really trust them, mm-hmm. and I think that is the core of what a lot of disabled people will be thinking right now. Right, this is part of work and pensions. So they're asking for these sweeping new powers. Well, should we trust them? I mean, the government, we should trust the government. But then I think, well, this is a department for work and pensions. And we know we can't trust them because we have 10 years of, of facts to mm-hmm. show we can't trust them. And that's why my book is, I'm, I'm so comfortable with it coming out. I'm not yeah. worried about it at all because it's all based on facts. It's all based on documents and documentary evidence. So this isn't just me ranting about DWP mm-hmm. saying, oh, I can't trust them. They're all for. You know, yeah. they, they they never give disabled people the right benefits, whatever. It's just facts. It's just documented evidence and investigations of, and it's their it's their own reports. I've got documents. Um, I won't talk too much about this, but I've got documents from the nineteen nineties that play a big part in the book. So you'll be able to follow the timeline of what's happened with the old DSS, the old Department of Social Security that came with DWP.
2: Yeah, you better
0: see how it kind of grew slowly, slowly, the harm grew slowly, slowly, slowly over the years until it kind of exploded in the post-2010 years under austerity. And so, yeah, I I completely understand why people are concerned about this because at the moment,
1: I'm afraid we can't trust DWP. In your opinion, do you think those things that happen within DWP (laughs) affect the greater disabled community, or is it just a lot of isolated Well. Can't be a lot of isolated incidents, but is it a series of isolated incidents?
0: Uh, Well, it's definitely systemic because it happens so much and because there's evidence and because there's proof of cover-ups because they, um, I mean, give give one example, they set up their own independent reviews of the um, work capability assessment and then didn't give the independent reviewer their own secret reviews into deaths that were linked to the work capability assessment. I mean, if that's not uh, cover up, then what is?
2: Yeah, no, no, no. absolutely. And, um, I, I suppose one thing that I, I would like to know, mm. I mean, have you found that there's been any sort of barriers in place because of your, your disability or your like credibility in the field of other journalists? Like, like, have you found that there's been these sort of barriers <laughs> in place?
0: Oh, uh, yeah. I, uh... I haven't found that amongst other disabled journalists. I'm glad to say. I think there's quite a lot of camaraderie and solidarity there. I think. Mm. Um, I mean, not always, obviously, because we 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 want to get our own stories out there. But I haven't found that so much. But I don't know. I, I, I think there's in, in journalism at the moment. It's it's pretty difficult to make a living. Uh, and part of that is because the big mainstream organisations are, are struggling as well. But I think the barriers I've accounted as an autistic person, in retrospect, thinking back. It's about running a small business where I've kind of had my issues because I don't really like to promote myself. You know, networking is my, is my idea of help. I'm much happier just like burrowing away at my investigations and kind of letting the business take care of itself. As long as I've got enough to stay where I'm living and heat the place and eat, you know, and, and put a little bit into a pension or whatever, then that's, that's enough. I mean, I don't. And, uh, you know, the anxiety side of things that's played a part i guess um that's made things interesting every now and again maybe at uh, big events like the party conferences that i have to go to again that's got a little bit easier since the diagnosis actually Uh, and there are little things that i ask for instance press officers to do you know ask them to just acknowledge an email if i've emailed them and said look you hear my questions i just say can you please just um, acknowledge this email it's a very small thing but staying on top of the anxieties is is like it's a lot of minor gains small marginal gains to add up Mm -hmm. and uh believe it or not dwp is is the one government department that's really good on this now probably because they deal with me a lot they do this (laughs) every time if i ask them to acknowledge receive my email they do it and i have to say it should say at this point when I go on and on about the DWP, I do not mean everybody that works in the DWP. There are some brilliant people that work there. And I, I'm sure a lot of disabled people will be, horr- be horrified that I say this, but I know because I've come across them over the years. There are some fantastic people that work at DWP that always have done it, and I'm sure they always will. Yeah. But this is, we're talking about higher levels. We're talking about government ministers, we're talking about senior civil servants. And of course, you know, there are some bad apples at the, at the lower levels as well that people have confronted, have had to, Facing job centers and work coaches and things, but a minority. And so I don't, I don't want to give the impression that everybody at DWP is engaged in this conspiracy because it's not, that's not the case. It's more about DWP as an organizational body. I think the people that are responsible for
1: that. Absolutely. In that case, then shall we move on to the book? Oh, yeah, sure. Yeah.
0: Okay. I mean, I, I decided to write it. I'd spent about kind oh, about a decade researching deaths caused by dwp and i started after a lot of the grassroots groups had been did the initial work on this did some brilliant research and i picked up on it quite late so it wasn't until probably 2012 2013 that I began to really pick up on this and started asking freedom information requests 2013 and started to gradually interview some of the families over the years as well and so after about about nearly a decade of that it became clear that you know disabled people were continuing to die, and uh, the DWP was either unable or unwilling to carry out the reforms necessary to make to make the social security system safe. And I just heard too many distressing, traumatic stories, and listened to too many grieving relatives to ignore the story any longer. and And I've been involved in a couple of big projects, the Museum of Austerity Project, and then later on, um, working with. Uh, China mills on the the deaths by welfare timeline as well. It kind of gave me the final. Both those two things kind of gave me the final push that well, you've got to do this. Somebody's got to do it, and it might as well be you because you're going to be really annoyed if someone else writes this book. So it's really it's really about you know how the the actions of the government department spurred on by politicians and and, and the outsourcing industry, the Atos's, the Unum's, etc., led to the you know hundreds of deaths of disabled people, probably probably thousands, but I would say hundreds and possibly or probably thousands because we can prove hundreds. There's evidence for that. But it's also about how the government department, how the DWP covered up the role in these deaths as well. And there's documents I've obtained that show how the violence inflicted, kind of built gradually over, over the years, slowly. And then kind of in, the, in that post-2010 austerity period, it just, well, it really did kind of explode, particularly in those early twenty ten to twenty fifteen years and it's still happening now. Another story today, I'm on the same thing. An- another another tragic death. And and I'm reporting today that secretly the government uh, the DWP has has weakened its guidance on when it investigates suicides of claimants. Mm-hmm. Secretly, they didn't tell anybody it had done this. They did this a year after they told the National Order Office, I know any time there's a suicide of a claimant we will investigate. We'll do one of our internal process reviews. We'll do it every time. And then a year later, without telling anybody, they weakened it so that doesn't happen anymore. So there are now suicides of claimants that are not being investigated properly by the DWP. So it continues. Why do you think and, that sort of thing happens? Why does it happen? Do you mean uh, do you mean why do you think people
1: die, or I mean why do they sort of weaken their guidelines? For example, oh,
0: Is it yeah, like a funding I, I don't and resources, know. It, or I don't think it's that. I'm sure I've come up with a. What they would think of as a as a rational explanation, but we it, that particular story is too early to know yet. But I think a lot of it is probably political reasons. The the cover ups in the past have been, I think, kind of political, and I think they think they know best. And I mean, there are a number of a number of reasons why they've acted like they do. It, I think it's quite complex, and I think there's interrelations between like the private sector and the, the, the politics of it, because the politics of it became very kind of changed in the 1990s when Labour decided that they needed to do something that proved, you know, new, new Labour's different. They needed to do something that proved that new Labour was different, and coming down hard on social security claimants was one of the ways that they could do that. Look, see, we're different. We're not, we're not old Labour anymore. We're new Labour. We we need to come down hard on on claimants as well. Now, I don't think I'm saying. I'm not saying that, that the Labour government was was as bad as what we've seen in the last few years, but they've certainly got questions to answer.
2: Absolutely, um, yeah. Apparently one one death from a, a claimant or any disabled person is is too many. And yeah, and it like you're doing great work. And like even then, like you hear countless stories of the DWP, particularly letting people down. We've spotlighted before when transition to Personal Independence Payment happened and all the issues that went with that and oh yeah yeah and and all of the, the craziness that happened at that time yeah, you know, just overspend underthink seemed to be the approach at the time but yeah yeah absolutely i did it i did about a
0: year years worth of stories on 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 pip when we started to hear i started to hear it started with like two or three emails from disabled people had gone through a pip assessment and said look this assessors is just light they flat out light I told them about my impairment and the impact of it, and and they reported something completely different in the assessment report. Yeah. And I started to think, well, there's like three or four, there's five of them now. And yeah. I just it's been about a year. I mean, not this wasn't the only thing I did for a year, but it's about a year doing this. And there were so many stories. There were so many stories from people all saying the same, and a lot, nearly all of them could evidence it as well. I mean, some of them had recordings, they had video recordings, they had some of them had audio recordings. But yeah, and. And and if we think things have changed now, I'm, you know, I, I don't want to scaremonger, but I am really concerned about universal credit. And obviously, I'm not the only one concerned about it. And I go through periods when I think, oh no, it's a much better system. It's all rolled into one, and it's all you know, it's going to be online. And it's going to make things so much easier. There's a lot of very serious concerns about the rollout and when it when it really affects disabled people when it start when they start transforming when they start migrating people on the disabled people on things like ESA onto onto universal credit it's just the same complacency the same secrecy the same concerns associated with this system as we've had in the past and we've had you know it's probably three or four suicides now that i'm aware of
1: and i'm sure there's many more between the book and everything going on it kind of sounds like you have a near enough a national scandal on your hands there
0: Well, yeah, but this is the strange thing about this story: is that so many times over the years, I think, "All right, okay, this is really going to explode now, and finally, we're going to have like an inquiry. There's going to there's going to have to be an inquiry we've been calling for for myself and others calling for for several years now. The Nationals will take take this up, Labour will take this up, and we'll get changes and 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 we'll get the changes needed at the, the DWP, which is not fit for purpose now. And it never happens. It's like maybe a day or two when when the the, the mainstream media exercised about it, and then it just kind of dribbles away. Mm-hmm. And the closest we came was when that awful case um, of Errol Graham, So I wrote about first, and it got picked up nearly by everybody. He didn't respond to DWP when they asked him to come in for work capability assessment, and he lived alone in his flat. He cut off his, his relatives. He wasn't talking to them. He wasn't communicating with them. He was refusing to communicate with them. And DWP basically knew the, the struggles and, um, ha- how his history of mental stress and that they, they knocked on his door a couple of times. He didn't answer and they cut off his benefits and he starved to death over the next few months. I think a lot of people know about this case. And I really thought mm. that one was going to be the one that was going to, was going to be the tipping point. And it wasn't. And I, I just, I, I don't understand. I really don't hope, you know, maybe when the book comes out, it will finally be that tipping point. I, I don't know. There's, there are so many different variables when a book comes out. And no matter how important I think it is, I I need (laughs) variables to, to go in my favor when it comes out in August. That's going to be my Uh, next question. When was it out? Oh, yeah. It's out in August. <laughs> we don't actually have a date yet, but it's uh um it's out in August. Uh it's gonna be published by Pluto and uh Pluto Press, but we don't have a precise date yet. So now it's it's in the process of we're in the proofreading stage, copy editing and proofreading that kind of stage. And I'm thinking about I'm gonna set up a, a website for the book. Um that'll probably look a little bit like the DNS website and uh lots of ideas about some of the things I might do to promote it
2: it sounds fantastic and like this is the sort of work that and uh, we've literally just spoken about advocacy and and the pros and and cons of it and and this is such a big positive move that well. like, it's so <laughs> tangible because that's one of our biggest biggest criticisms of, of advocacy it's like the the tangibility of a lot of it that you see on social media and and this is like yeah you know, y- your book is coming out and it's yeah, we we want to see positive change, and hopefully this will be the spark. And you know, because like, this is such an important thing to get out there to everyone. Yeah,
0: but I, I do want to stress that there's also, you know, there's, it, it, it is kind of going to end on a. It's it's not going to end up on a a downer note. In, in that, I think it's really important that we do give hope to people that change is possible. And I mm. think a lot of the work from disabled activists and grassroots groups. They've made that change possible. and We have to stay optimistic that we can that we can get some change, particularly in the in the way our social security safety net is operated. I hope it will um, end a little bit on a on, on a call to arms, maybe rather yeah. than the, you know summing up all the desperate, tragic things that have happened over the last, I so thirty years, and, and that's what that's what terrifies me. Thirty years has
2: been going on. No, ab- absolutely. And yeah, such, such great work, John. And it, it's been such a pleasure having you on. In the show notes, we'll have we'll have every link to, to everything you do, um, and how everyone can support you as well. So yeah, just before we go, is there Thank anything you. that you'd Thank like you. to put out there? It, it, yeah, it's pretty much a
0: uh, um, it's service dot com, and the stories the new stories go on there every every Thursday evening. Obviously, it's it's not behind the paywall, so just go on there; it's free. And, and do share the stories if you can. That's really important. And the book what we called The Department. And it's going to be published in, in August by Pluto. Brilliant. Amazing. So thank you. Thank you very much. This is, uh, uh, I've enjoyed you, it John. too.
2: It's been a pleasure. Thanks very much. And we're back. Great chat with John
1: there. It will be interesting to see how the book lands when that comes out later on this year.
2: I think there's a lot of holes to be poked in the DWP. Yeah. Um, there's a little bit of teasers there. So we will be chatting to John down the line about his book because that's a topic we could really dive into a lot more because it seems like there's, like you said, Cleese, there's a lot of holes, there's a lot of issues there. There's a lot of scandal. Mm. Sounds like a juicy book.
1: That's the first thing I've heard you say, Sleena, in
2: about 20 minutes. I yeah. never get
1: a word in edge with you guys.
2: I... <laughs> Were well, you having your tea? <laughs> what was it? What was it this time, Selena? What, what you? I was
0: tip? playing football for England. I do apologise. Sorry, John.
2: <laughs> <laughs> oh well. Until next time, we hope you enjoyed this episode, and we will catch you next week. Bye.
0: Bye.
1: <laughs> Thank you for listening to Seesaw Podcast. Your feedback and comments mean a lot to us, so if you'd like to get in touch, you can do so in the following ways.
2: You can find us on X at Seesaw Pod, Facebook, Instagram and YouTube at Seesaw Podcast. You can email us at SeesawPodcast at gmail.com and you can stream with us live every week on Twitch at Seesaw Podcast. Remember to like, rate, review and share with a friend. This podcast was recorded in front of a blind audience.